Here's a question. How do we name a parasha after a villain like Balak? Doesn't that sound like we're endorsing or empowering him? Surely, if anything, we're supposed to do the exact opposite. Unless, of course, that is what the Torah is doing. The exact opposite. We've explained numerous times, says the Rebbe, with regards to the names of parashas, seeing as the name of every parasha is established according to a minag of Judaism, of Torah, which is minag Yisrael Torah, even a Jewish custom is actually Torah itself. So obviously the name that is allocated to the parasha is the name that Torah endorses for this parasha, the most appropriate name for the parasha. Which makes it so difficult to understand the name of our parasha. The Gemara tells us that a person should never name a child after somebody who was a wicked individual. Because we say that the names of Rishoyim should should disintegrate. We don't use or engage with their names. If that's true, you're not supposed to name your child after somebody who's wicked. How is their parish of the Torah that's called Balak, who was clearly a villain? Such a villain about which our sages tell us he was the greatest, greatest anti-Semite in history. How do you name a parasha after him? Of course, the, you might say, well, we need a name, right? And this is one of the words in the beginning of the parasha, and that's usually what we use to get the name, so we didn't have a choice. The name of the parasha has to follow something right at the beginning of the parasha. Therefore, we chose Balak. Well, we could have chosen something else. If you're looking for something at the beginning of the parasha, then it's even more difficult why you call it Balak. Then start with the very first word of the parasha, which is Vayar. And that would be a parasha, similar to another parasha we have, Vayera. Other parishes that start off with a very first word, call this one Vayar. Okay, maybe it's a little confusing. Vayera, Vayar, fine. But then we have to understand something else. It's not just simply about choosing a poor name for a parasha. The name of the parasha, like the name of anything in our holy Hebrew language, expresses the theme and content of what that thing, in this case, the parasha, is all about. So this is a name that's supposed to encapsulate what the entire parasha is about. What is the parasha about? The lion's share of this parasha is all about Bilam and his interactions and his prophecies and blessings of the Jewish people. So what is the main content, the most important content of this parasha? Surely the brachas. That Bilam blessed the Jewish people, which are very advanced, very elevated brachas. That's what the parish is about. It's about good things. But yes, sir, Al-Kay, not only is it about brachas, but also brachas. These brachas include prophecies that Bilam made about the end of days, about the time of Moshiach. And we see that the Rambam talks about this in an halachic context in his Mishnah Torah. That Bilam prophesied the two so-called anointed leaders of the Jewish people, by Mashiach Harishan Shahu David, the first in the lineage of kings, which is David Amelech, over Mashiach Achran, and the ultimate king, which is Mashiach. The parish has such powerful, beautiful, positive messaging 
ואם כן איזה שייכס יש בין ברוכס ונבואיס אלו לבולק, אז איך אתה מלינק את הברוכס והברוכסים לבולק שהוא כזה רע? ששונא ישראל את בני ישראל, ביקוש לא הודה להם, סמבי הייתה את האנשים שלנו, רצו את האמאס. הרי בולק לא היה אלא סיבה חיצונית למשך הסבילם לכל זה. בולק, אם אין משהו, קטליסט שקוזס בילם לקום אלון, שקוזס אותו לבלש את היהודים. אבל בולק לא נכון לברוכס. אז איך בולק נכון לברוכס? אין לך לא מנהל את האנשים האלה, ובטח הוא לא מנהל את הפרשה. אוקיי, אז אולי מה שאנחנו נגיד, זה תלוי מי משתמש בשם, נכון? אנחנו לא יכולים להשתמש בשמות האלה, אולי התורה היא. אחרי זה, יש לי יושב איזה שאלה, אלף, ננסה לדרס את הראשון שאלה, איך התורה נגיד משהו אחרי בולק, אם אני לא יכול להגיד את שמות האנשים אחרי בעיה אנשים? שזה הדרך הדין אומר בעניין איסטר להזכיר שם אבוי דזרה. ננסה לדרס את הראשון שאלה, אם אתה יכול להשתמש בשם אבוי דזרה. And this will be a consistent theme throughout the Sikha. We'll compare calling the parasha after Balak to using the name of Avodah Zarah. The Pasuk tells us you're not allowed to mention the names of idols. So we're told if the Torah mentions the name of an idol, then we're allowed to use that name. So maybe it's the same thing here. The prohibition against using the names of wicked people would not apply to a name that is used in the Torah. Balak is used in the Torah. So perhaps that's an excuse or reason or explanation why we could refer to the name Balak in a so-called positive way. Okay. That's still going to leave us with a question. Because that only tells us that you're not forbidden to use the name. That doesn't recommend that we should use these names. This is only to tell us why there's no prohibition against mentioning the name of an idol if the Torah has already mentioned it. And in our case, we'll say the name of a bad person who's mentioned in the Torah. You're not forbidden to use their name. There's nothing encouraging within that halacha that says, maybe you should use this name and for a parasha. So we're back to square one. Why, in fact, did the Torah deliberately choose to use the name of such a bad person as the name of a parasha? Now, we're going to see that there, there's a precedent for this. There's another place in the Torah where the name of an idol is used. The Baleatosis raise a big question about this, that the halach is you're not supposed to use a geographical reference based on a place of Avodah Zorah. And... Maybe that will lead us to the answer. The Balei raised a question. The Pasuk says, Tell the Jewish people how to leave Mitzrayim and where they should go. They should camp in front of Baal Tzafoyim, which was an idol. Asks the Balei How could Hashem instruct them that they should camp by the sea next to Baal Tzafoyim? Do we not have a halacha that's brought in Gemara Sanhedrin? That a person is forbidden to give directions to a fellow Jew by saying, meet me on the corner by this Avodah house. So the Baal HaTos has given an answer which maybe will help us. People are not permitted to give directions or to give geographical locations that are associated with Avodah Zarah. Hashem can. Hashem's telling them where to camp. He can say Baal And maybe we'll do the same thing here. We're not supposed to use negative names, but Hashem can. Now, the... 
it should seem to be a, a, a question. What are the Baalei telling us? We've already said, if it is an idol that is mentioned in the Torah, we're allowed to mention the name. So why did the Baalei say, how could they just say, camp by Baalei Baal is mentioned in the Torah, you're allowed to say the name. Why do you have to come and explain? Well, it's because it's Hashem and not a person. Therefore, we have to make the following distinction, that it depends in what context you're mentioning the name. Mentioning the name, that's one thing. Using the name for your benefit, that's a different story. When are you permitted to mention a name of an idol which is recorded in the Torah? That's if you're mentioning the name in conversation. But not when you're giving any kind of uh, value or, this, or prestige to this particular name. But if you're mentioning the name of Avodah Zorah for a purpose, which obviously then lends it some credibility, like for example, using it to give directions. This is where I'd like you to meet me. Then you're actually giving substance to this Avodah Zorah. It's something worthwhile. Then you wouldn't be allowed to mention the name of that Avodah Zorah, even if it is recorded in the Torah. That's why there's a question how Hashem could say, Camp to which the Baal Atesis answer. That's because it's Hashem and not a human. Ah, so the Baal are using logic which says, if you're saying something which gives any prestige or value or dignity to the Avodah Zorah, that is for sure not acceptable. Let's go back to the question about the Parsha. How do you take the name of Balak? Yes, you're allowed to mention his name because he's mentioned in the Torah. How do you take his name and turn it into the name of a parasha? Can you think of a greater prestige to give to somebody than to name a parasha after them? It's not only prestige, it's eternal prestige because anything in the Torah anything in, in the Torah is eternal. Now Balak becomes an eternal part of the world? So to understand this, let's go back to analyzing what the Baal HaTosus was saying. That it's people who are not allowed to mention Avodah Zorah, but Hashem can. Well, why can Hashem? Isn't Hashem, so to speak, bound? In other words, He chooses to bind Himself by the same rules that He applies to us. The Balaatesis answered that only we are restricted with regards to mentioning Avodah Zorah, but Hashem is not restricted. That doesn't make sense. Let's think logically. What's the reason you're not supposed to mention the name of Avodah Zorah? So that you don't give it any substance or any credibility or any dignity. What should the difference then be if humans are giving dignity to Avodah Zarah or Hashem is giving dignity? In fact, to the contrary. Surely if Hashem gives the name or names a parasha after somebody, surely that gives much more credibility than if you and I said, let's meet at the corner of the Avodah Zarah temple. Because we do know that our sages tell us the Ebesh's speech equates to our actions. In other words, it's much, power, much more powerful than our speech. Okay, so maybe you could try and squeeze an answer, which is, In the Ebesh's world, there's no such thing as a forbidden action. 
we people could have actions that we do which are forbidden. Not the Eibishter. Kedugam Hashavir Bala Atesis Mizeh Shalakadosh Baruch Hu Yosef Vedonas Kolei Lamafila B'Shabbos Cholei. One example the Bala Atesis use is that we as humans are not allowed to um, uh, 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 have a court case on Shabbos, and Hashem does. Avar Bishul Yisrael Asa. But that's really not an explanation. Okay, so there's no restriction for Hashem. We're not looking for a restriction over here. We're looking for, do you give substance and dignity and power to Avodah Zorah? Plus we know the Chazal say, based on the Pasuk, which, which says that Hashem tells His words to us, that David only tells us to do things that He Himself does. So if David tells us, don't give credibility to Avodah Zorah, Clearly, the Ebishter himself won't give credibility to Avodah Zarah or to Rishoyim. So back to square one. How does Hashem name a parasha after Bolak? So therefore, we must say what the Tosfos are telling us is not that there's no principle of forbidden activities in Hashem's realm, because whatever Hashem has forbidden for us, Hashem, so to speak, conforms to that as well. Rather, what the Balei HaToysafs are telling us is, The reason, the logic that would prevent us from mentioning an Avodah Zarah is not logic that is relevant to Hashem. In other words, if we speak about an Avodah Zarah, it might endorse or give credibility to the Avodah Zarah. When the Ebishter speaks about an Avodah Zarah, as we shall discover, it does the exact opposite. Let's understand this based on something in the Sefer Yireim, where the Sefer Yireim says, if the Torah is willing to mention an Avodah Zarah, that in itself indicates that Avodah Zarah is no longer relevant. Otherwise, the Torah wouldn't speak about it. So the Sefer Yireim says, why are we permitted to mention an Avodah Zarah which is recorded in the Torah? The fact that the Torah mentions this Avodah Zarah is proof that this Avodah Zarah is no longer relevant. That's why there's no reason why you shouldn't be allowed to mention it. It is an irrelevant, neutralized Avodah Zarah. Except that doesn't really make sense because we can think of examples where the Torah speaks about an active Avodah Zarah. Actually, this answer doesn't seem to make sense. How do you know for certain that just because the Torah mentioned an Avodah Zarah, that is a guarantee that Avodah Zarah is no longer relevant or no longer exists? In fact, not only is this just a question, we can prove the opposite of that principle. We have examples of the names of certain idols that are mentioned in the Torah while they were active. Let's use that example because it's in the parasha. There's an Avodah Zarah mentioned in the Torah, actually in our parasha, and Lonis Batla. It wasn't cancelled because actually the context in which our parasha speaks about it is the fact that the Jews succumbed to Balpor. So it's still active. So what actually is the Uraim saying? Not that it's a matter of cancelling an Avodah Zarah and then the Torah can speak about it. It's almost the exact opposite. The fact that the Torah speaks about the Savoida Zorah tells us that that is what cancels the Savoida Zorah 
by the person, I'm going to skip the bracket and come back to it, Hamas Kereshma, the person, in this case the Torah, who says the name of the Avodah Zorah, does so in the context of saying, I'm mentioning this Avodah Zorah to illustrate that it is meaningless and neutral and has no value to me. Let's go back to the bracket. Because every Jew fundamentally, intrinsically wants to do whatever the Torah expects. The Torah wants us to neutralize Avodah Zorah. Therefore, if a Jewish person has reached the point that they are speaking about an Avodah Zorah, that actually is what cancels that Avodah Zorah in their mind. Why would the Torah mention an Avodah Zorah? Only to illustrate these things are meaningless. That's why the Torah mentions it. To borrow the words of the Pasuk. They have no effect. The Torah wants to illustrate their falsehood. And the misguided beliefs of those who actually attribute any value to the Savoy Zara. Why does the Torah mention the Zara? To neutralize it. To illustrate that it's meaningless. The Torah wants to show us how the Savoy did no value, did no favors to those who serve it. Again, let's get a pasuk out of this week's parasha. That the Ebeshter destroys the people who served the Avoy of Kamosh. Or alternatively, if the Torah is not telling us about an Avodah Zarah to illustrate how meaningless it is, then the Torah is telling us about the Avodah Zarah to illustrate the, the fact that Jews who were engaged with this Avodah Zarah were punished. Again in our parasha. The fact that Jews succumbed to Baal caused a calamity. It caused a, 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 a pandemic, an epidemic in the, in the Jewish camp. The theme is the same. If the Torah is mentioning Avodah Zarah, it is with the purpose of undermining the value of that or the credibility of that Avodah Zarah. Therefore, it's clear. If the Torah mentions an Avodah Zorah, the effect of that is not to add value to it. To the contrary, the purpose and achievement of the Torah mentioning an Avodah Zorah is it undermines its value. Rather than giving it any credibility, it shows that it's completely meaningless and false. That's if the Torah mentions and avoid the and the same then extrapolates out to when we as Jewish people mention an avoid Any time that we mention the name of an avoid which was recorded in the Torah, so now we're mentioning the name of the avoid in the context that the Torah gives it. If we're saying the name of an, of an Avodah Zorah in Torah, we're saying it with the same intention that the Torah said it. With the intention of the exact opposite of giving it any credibility or value. Therefore, such an Avodah Mamish that the Torah has revealed and exposed how it is completely meaningless, obviously is now meaningless to the individual. And therefore, as the Sefer Yireim continues, the same reason why the Torah would mention the Avodah Zorah, i.e. to highlight its uselessness, on the Rishon is what allows us 
to now mention this particular Avodah Zarah as well, because we'll also then echo its uselessness. And this is similar to, in a sense, the halacha which tells us that a person is allowed to use dismissive or sarcastic terminology about Avodah Zarah. Well, then you can mention the Avodah Zarah because you're mentioning it in a way that is sarcastic, in a way that is demeaning, which is exactly the point. To undermine any credibility that people might give to the Avodah Zarah. Rather than giving it credibility, you're actually denigrating that Avodah Zarah. So what do we see if the Torah mentions the name of an Avodah Zarah, that in itself undermines any value the Avodah Zarah would have? The same applies to us. If we have the spirit of the Torah in the way that we mention an Avodah Zarah, we do the same. Now let's relate that back to a person, Bolak. Before we get there, let's see again the wording that the Bale HaTosvis used, which was, that any prohibition against mentioning an Avoy Dezara would only apply to people, not to Hashem. Hashem does not have the restriction against mentioning an Avoy Dezara. Why? Because typically, if a person mentions an Avoy Dezara, their objective would be to mention the Avoy Dezara. Especially if you have a particular purpose in this, right? Meet me at that place. Well, obviously then you want to mention that place. If your intention is to mention the Avoy Dezorah, that gives it value and credibility. But if the Ebrishna mentions Avoy Dezorah, there's no possibility, not even the remotest possibility, that that would give it any value or credibility. But to the contrary. If you're dealing with Hashem, who is the epitome of truth with a capital T, and now Hashem mentions Avoidazara, or Torah, which is also absolute truth, mentions an Avoidazara. Well, that's to convey the truth of the Avoidazara, which is nil value. When, when Torah or the Ebishter speaks about Avodah Zorah, that it automatically neutralizes the possibility of even a thought that would consider any value to the Avodah Zorah. Parenthetically, we will also explain why the Bali Hatosis used the example of Baal why that one? Yes, the principle that the Paleatosis use, which is, or the, the principle that we've now seen from the Sefer Yureim, that if a, an Avodah is mentioned in Torah, that indicates that the Avodah is already neutralized. You could still ask a question. Still, why does the Torah use Baal Okay, so it's neutralized. It's not the best reference to use. It's got like a, like a certain stigma attached to it. That's exactly the point. By mentioning the name of the Avodah Zorah, that is what exposes the fact that this Avodah Zorah is useless. And basically what the Torah is doing is undermining the false principle upon which people started to serve Avodah Zarah in the first place. The same applies to a Jewish person. 
if a person, Jewish person, mentions a name of an Avodah Zarah, which is recorded in the Torah. In the context that this is mentioned in Torah, as mentioned, that highlights the fact that the Jewish person resonates with the Torah's perspective that this Avodah Zarah is absolutely meaningless. And we could also relate this back to what the Gemara there in Sanhedrin tells, tells a story. That Ula once went to a place and he stayed at a place and they asked him afterwards, where did he stay? And he said where he stayed in was the name of an idol. So they said, how can you mention the name of the idol? So he defended the fact that he had mentioned this particular place, which was the name of an idol, by saying it is an idol mentioned in the Torah, and he quoted a Pasuk that mentions this idol. Okay, fine. So there's a Pasuk, and it's acceptable. And you're allowed to say the name of an Avodah Zarah that's mentioned in the Torah. But why go there in the first place? Even if it's acceptable. If it has no value or purpose, don't say something, which is construed to be negative. Well, that's exactly the point. He wasn't intending for something negative. To the contrary. We're talking of Yehabad and Amorah, whose entire life is dedicated to Torah. His entire reality is Torah. He saw a situation in the world similar to what the Gemara describes elsewhere. That Rav came to a place and he saw that there was an open area that wasn't cultivated in the way that it should, implying that there was a, a, a breach in terms of how people behaved in their, in their Judaism. And so therefore, this, this Amora Ula obviously noticed that there's a certain lack of undermining of Avodah Zara in this particular environment. So that's why he Dafka mentioned Avodah Zara to illustrate to illustrate that the only way you should be talking about Avodah Zara is as the Torah does, not as people were in that environment. To highlight the uselessness and the lack of value and the fact that Avodah Zara is absolute nothing. That would explain why we would call this parasha Balak, even though we're not supposed to use the names of wicked people. Let's see, what is the parasha talking about? What does the Torah tell us? What is the content of the parasha? The only reason the Torah is talking about Balak is The Torah's purpose in telling us the story of Balak is to highlight how his negative intentions were neutralized. He wanted He wanted to try and curse the Jewish people and hopefully overcome them. So therefore, by mentioning Bolak, it's not a contradiction to the idea that the names of wicked people should rot. Because that's actually what the story is telling us. Read the story and you will see. This is a story that talks about the undermining of and the rotting of the name of Bolak, one of the worst villains in history. So that's the content of the parasha. The content of the parasha tells a story of how Balak is destroyed and his intentions are undermined. That is reflected in the name of the parasha because the name of the parasha represents the overall theme of the parasha. When we call this parasha Balak, we're not talking about Balak the man, Balak the great king of Moab. That doesn't enter our minds. We're thinking Balak of the story in the parasha. 
שזהו זיכרון, לא לשם זיכרון, אדרבה, בוא להתגש שעשה גנאי של בולוק. טס, the story just brings up the failure and the, the, the destruction of בולוק. בואי מקרסק, take it a step deeper. אצל בולוק מוצינו, In Balak's context, we find not only did Balak experience what the Torah does to an Avodah Zorah, completely neutralized, actually, he's not neutralized. He hired Bilam to further his ill intentions, and the result of that is that Bilam added value to the Jewish people. Not just that Balak and Bilam were neutralized, They became the source of something positive for us. She is Baruch Bivroch Isnalis Biyoyser. As a direct result of Balak engaging Bilam, we, the Jewish people, benefit from incredibly powerful Baruchas. That's one step beyond just simply cancelling an, an idol. When you neutralize an idol, the idol is designed. to completely deny Hashem's truth, Hashem's oneness. Therefore, the only option for us is, you've got to completely destroy any last vestige of that idol because we can't tolerate even the slightest hint of rejection of Hashem. So the objective with an idol is, get rid of it completely. Hashem give him, I said, Bolok. Whereas Bolok's story doesn't end in us getting rid of them completely. Heviya rish osoi, The result of his tremendous hatred and his tremendous wickedness, which brought him to higher Bilam, caused something that would help and augment the Jewish mission, the Jewish purpose, the Jewish nation. That would explain why the parish is called Bolok. Because through him, specifically through the fact that he hired Bilam, that added value to the Jewish people. Bolok is no longer a name that represents a Russia. It's a name that represents the collapse of a Russia. Not only does it represent the collapse of a Russia, but it represents the Russia becoming the endorser of the Jewish people. That's also why it's almost one of the very few places in Chumash where you find somebody talking about Mashiach. And it's not just an ordinary prediction or prophecy about Mashiach that is contained in this parasha, but one that the Rambam records in the context of Halacha, which means obviously that it has a very uh, real, tangible um, manifestation. Why would Bilam's story be the source of this prophecy about Mashiach? Well, what's Mashiach all about? One of the key things that's going to happen in the Messianic age, it's that the, there'll be a rehabilitation of all the nations of the world to the extent that instead of doing what these nations have done for all of history to try and control and overcome and, and subjugate the Jewish people, they'll use their power to assist us. That their kings will be those who assist us and their, their ministers will be the ones who, who sustain us. And that's why this has to play out where? In Bilam's Nevoah. 
Because how did Bilam's Nevoah happen in exactly this way? That the power of Bilam, his power was his prophecy. Where Balak had hoped to capture and use that power to harm the Jewish people, God forbid. Bilam was transformed and he had no option but to use his power to bless the Jewish people. And that's exactly the theme and message of Pasha's Balak. So the continuation of Yeshayo's prophecy and therefore the ultimate state of that prophecy that foreigners, non-Jewish people will come and take over, look after our flocks for us. And they'll become our farmers and our, the tenders of our vineyards. And we will just be dedicated as Kohanim to Hashem, which means that our work will be done by others and not just others, but those who previously were our enemies. Exactly the theme of Balak, exactly the theme of this parasha. Should be fulfilled with the coming of Mashiach in Mitzvah Shem now.